Hey, Ryan, how do I get project-based learning started at my school? I've gotten some form of this question nearly every day for the last decade from engaged educators just like you. So at Magnify Learning, we've created a free download to get you started. Whether you're a superintendent, principal, coach, or teacher, go to whatispbl.com to get started on your project-based learning journey today. Are you ready to bring project-based learning to your school? The PBL Simplified Podcast will help equip you for your PBL journey with weekly need-to-knows, engaging interviews, PBL showcases from facilitators in the classroom, and PBL leadership episodes to move you towards a successful implementation of PBL. Because every learner deserves to be a part of an inspiring story, and we see daily that project-based learning helps make this happen. If you want me to answer your PBL need-to-know on the podcast, visit whatispbl.com and click on Ask Ryan to submit your question. Welcome to the PBL Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stoyer. This is episode 97, talking about PBL core teams. But that means by the end of this month, we're going to hit episode 100, The Century Show. Make sure you subscribe to the channel so that you get that download. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to have Carmen Coleman on the podcast, talking deeper learning. Fired up to be hitting that mark. Today... We're going to be talking about project-based learning, learning teams or core teams. It's probably not your main leadership team because your main leadership team didn't necessarily sign up to investigate PBL. And you probably want somebody outside of it. But we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about why every project-based learning leader should have a PBL learning team. I'm going to give you three sustainability keys today in our main episode. But before we get to the main episode... Let's hit one of our need-to-knows. One of the need-to-knows, and this one comes in commonly, is what does project-based learning look like in kindergarten? Well, the first answer is that it looks ridiculously cute, especially if you're not used to very young people in suits and ties and and speaking elegantly. Uh, But the other thing is it's also insanely impactful. If you are a kindergarten teacher or you know a kindergarten teacher, There's just magic that happens in those rooms. And when you start to bring project-based learning into this process or into this room, really neat things happen. So let me give you an example. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm in, I'm going to go visit this kindergarten classroom. And I go to the door and it's locked. So, you know, I I knock and I peek through, you know, the, the, the long rectangular window, you know, it's three inches by, you know, 26 inches, right? And I just peek in. And when I do, I can see the kids start jumping up and down and smiling. So I come in like, oh, Mr. Ryan's here. Mr. Ryan, you're here. And they're all fired up. And they have this nutrition unit that I get to see. And this is their final culmination day. And so I get a chef's hat that was made for me. And I get to sit down. And I just watch some of the protocols that go on in this room. And kindergarten rooms are filled with protocols. I assume because if you have 20 plus kindergartners around, you need some stability. Like I have kindergartners personally in in my house, and I can't imagine multiplying that by by 20. So I love what happens in these rooms. But what we see by the time we get to the culmination of that, we see a community partner come in. And this is key number one, I think, when you talk about PBL in a kindergarten classroom is you still need to have community partners in here. 
that's some of the secret sauce, right? Well, yeah, but what if my kids say this or that? Or, you know, Billy's going to pick his nose and raise his hand and yell when he's not supposed to. And, and yep, that might happen. But what might also happen is those fears might be completely eliminated because what really happens is that Billy, who normally yells out, doesn't. He sits and he listens to the community partner. He raises his hand because he now has an opportunity and a reason to practice the etiquette that you've been teaching him. So what happens in this particular classroom, let's go back to my story, is a chef comes in. And the chef comes in in full garb, like the chef hat that's like two feet tall, you know, the the white button-up coat, and he is obviously like the head chef, which is true. So he comes in, and the learners start to ask questions. They've done their research. They know what their favorite nutritious meal is. They've built it out. They've put it onto a PowerPoint slide, and they get to come up and talk about it and ask a question. And during this culminating event, who's the authentic audience? In this case, the authentic audience is the learner's parents. So it becomes this parent night as well during the day. And all the different ethnicities that are in the room, the parents bring kind of a local dish that's that's special to their family. And so they're in the room and the chef is kind of at the center. And now the learners come up and they have a choice. As they go to the microphone, they can ask a question that they've come up with for the chef, or the chef can ask them a question that they don't know what the answer is going to be. They don't know what the question is going to be. Completely unknown. So, listener, some of you are like seizing up like, whoa, I don't want an unknown question from somebody I don't know. But what a great employability skill for our learners to start learning when they're six of being able to answer a question, restate the question, and give their answer. And it was it was magical. I don't know how else to, des- to describe it. Is The learners would come up, they'd grab the microphone, and they could either talk about their favorite thing or get a question. So the chef would ask them a question. Now, was it a deep dive question of, um, you know, how many, what percentage of carbohydrates should be in the average diet for 2,000 calorie diet? No. But what are these learners practicing at age of six? They're practicing speaking on a microphone in front of an audience with a community partner. That is extremely important work. You know, they're doing the foundational work to be able to read and write and do math, right? All these pieces. Why not the foundational work for employability skills? Why not start small and start to build? And they can do it. And they do it really, really well. I felt so honored as the guest because I got to sit in the audience and I had a buddy that was with me and he told me what was going on. And then I switched buddies and she told me like, oh, Diego, he's one of the best speakers in our class. You're going to love what he's about to say. Oh, and he's funny too. He's going to be funny. And Diego was funny. He was appropriately funny and got to speak to a chef and he, you know, Diego might want to be a chef or maybe he doesn't. But in kindergarten, what a great time to start to interact with community partners and have the opportunity for these small wins with their employability skills to have a foundation to build off of. So there's a lot more about PBL in kindergarten. Uh, I've got a video we'll link in the show notes too from the PBL Simplified YouTube series. But PBL in kindergarten is a really, really neat thing. And if that's something that you're really interested in, please do reach out. Go to whatispbl.com, ask Ryan. If you have a specific question, um, we can certainly address that. We might even bring in one of our PBL coaches who specifically coaches in K1 so that you can hear some more 
of those tactics and really just the benefits, the transformation that can happen in kindergarten. It's a fun thing. If you're having a really bad day, go to the kindergarten classroom. Like it's such a great place to be. If you're having a bad day, just walk down. You know what? I need to observe a kindergarten classroom during my prep or, you know, cancel a meeting or set aside some space so you can go in there and see some of the great things that are happening there. So that's our need to know for today. What does PBL look like in kindergarten? Let's jump into our main episode. In the main episode, we are looking at district work or sustainability work, these design days for how does project-based learning last beyond a flash in the pan, beyond a year or two. So that it becomes a mindset, it becomes a culture piece that's always happening in your school or your schools. So today, we're talking about how every project-based learning leader should have a PBL learning team for three sustainability keys. The first sustainability key is that you can't bring project-based learning in alone, and you don't want to. As the leader, if it's just you bringing in a new idea, it's going to be top-down. You'll get some compliance based on the innovation curve. Some people will ignore it. Some people will be compliant. Um, you know, Some people will adjust it so it fits what they want to do anyway. But eventually that fizzles. Even if, say, you go on to your next position, which is fine. You can... If you're ready to move on to another position and that's good for you and your family and the district, like you do that, but then your work stays with you. So when you leave that school, your work goes with you. So there's a lot of reasons you don't want to do this alone. Some of them are self-care. Can you do this? Can you bring it? Can you get everybody excited to do it? Yes, but if you're the lone cheerleader for this, you're going to be working like crazy to do this and you're missing the grassroots possibilities Uh, of kind of a groundswell, which is what we'll talk about. And the other one is that it does stay with you. And you want your work to be bigger than you. You want it to go beyond what just you can do. And you also know there's likely some things that, you know, you need to know what PBL looks like in third grade, in sixth grade, or with freshmen, or with seniors, like whatever your area of responsibility is, you have experts in your school that can help adapt things for their specific grade levels. We're going to talk about why that's so important in really the next key sustainability. So let's let's switch to that. The next sustainability key is that people follow the first follower, not the leader. Derek Sievers has this great YouTube video on leadership called The Shirtless Dancing Guy. We'll link it in the show notes. But what he talks about, he talks about how to build a movement. And he does it in a very unique and creative way. But one of the key takeaways is that people follow the first follower and not the leader. When you're leading a staff of teachers and coaches, they want to know what it looks like for other teachers and coaches to do this work, not just the principal, not just the assistant superintendent. Like, yes, you're the leader. Yes, you're going to bring vision. And yes, maybe you've even done this work before in some form. So yes, share your ideas 100%. But at some point, your staff wants to see what does this look like from other staff members? Like, are, are all the third grade teachers going to be on board? Um, you know, is this really going to work in middle school? The answer is yes, by the way. But you can talk about it as the leader. But if you can get your teachers involved in this and they can get excited about it, then 
that can start to grow a grassroots momentum. And now teachers are asking teachers, hey, how did you create this rubric? How did you get started? Can I come see your entry event? And if you can get those grassroots organic questions happening and learning happening, now it's not dependent on you, one person. Now it's happening simultaneously instead of simply through you. So that's part of what a PBL learning team does is you get a group that's already excited about PBL or you know that they're innovators, you know they're looking for something different and that the structure of PBL will help them. And you say, hey, here's something we're thinking about. What do you think? And maybe you give them the PBL Simplified book that's coming out in January 23. Shameless plug. And you say, hey, would you take a look at this? We're thinking about moving this direction with the staff. Or you take a group on a school visit. And how do you pick that group? Maybe you pick your innovators. Maybe you pick some laggards. Maybe you pick the outspoken leaders. And you go and show them great things. And then when they come back, they're fired up about it. But your first group, this PBL learning team, is a group that's fired up about project-based learning. However it is you get them fired up. You can show them videos. You can say, hey, I had this great visit. You can send them to a conference. Whatever it is, you've got a group that's fired up about PBL and they want to share it. Because that leads to our third sustainability key is that you need local examples of project-based learning. So in your PBL learning team, you need to have teachers, classroom teachers, that can start the process of PBL in their classrooms. You need to get them trained. Once they're fired up, get them trained. And it needs to be a multi-day training with coaching because the short stint isn't going to produce the results that you want. But once you get this learning team trained and they start to think, how can we present this to the staff? One of the best ways you can do that is to show that it works. Better than well said is well done. So they start to do the work. Now they're showing that PBL works in a kindergarten classroom. They're showing that kindergarten works in a third grade classroom. So you might sprinkle in someone from all of your different grade levels or your different departments, depending on how you have your staff split up. So now... It's not, well, this worked really well in the school two, two hours away, or this works great on the West Coast or the East Coast. I'm not sure it'll work here. Now, with your PBL learning team, you have, look at this great PBL unit. Look at this culminating event that our learners did. How in the world did you get Bailey to do that kind of work? She won't do anything for me. Right? How did you get Diego to speak like that out in front of the whole audience? Well... Why don't you come to my next entry event? And now your next wave of teachers after PBL learning team, they have something to reference that's a local PBL, which is why your PBL learning team needs to be trained really well. Because however they define PBL in your building is how the next wave of teachers will define PBL. And now you've got one group that's out ahead of the rest of your staff. And that's okay. That's, in a lot of ways, how people want that. If people want to catch up, they'll catch up if they want to be in that lead group. But a lot of your teachers, there's a good portion of your staff, early, late majority, that want to see somebody else go first. And once they see those people go first, now they'll jump in. Now they'll jump into that PBL professional development you offer. And you say, well, I don't really have teachers lining up to take a three-day PD. But in fact, we often do. 
when the PBL learning team goes first and they watch these learners have these great experiences with community partners, when they watch transformations, when they see their kids on the news, a teacher begins to say, well, how come my learners can't do that? And you get to say, well, your learners can do that. Well, all right, I want them to do that. Great, you, just, you need to take this PBL training. Do you want to take this PBL training? Yes, I demand that I take that PBL training because I want my learners to have the same experiences as these other learners. I want them to present to a chef. I want them to present to an engineer. I want them to have time with the DNA specialist because that is awesome. And now you've got your staff moving and you're not pushing them along. You get to actually lead because they've got movement. Right? They're excited about project-based learning. They want to move forward. And if you remember the steps that we've started through this series, and in the show notes, there's a one-pager, but it's about you as the leader building your knowledge. So we looked at research. We looked at different books, podcasts you can dive into. We looked at design days. How can you look three years out and figure out how you're going to train your staff? And now at this point, now we're saying, let's send some of your staff through this training with the PBL learning team. So, The wording can be really important here too. They're learning about PBL to see if it's going to work at your school. It's not a PBL mandated team, right? Where you mandate this. It's let's learn about this. I wonder if this works at our school. And what we find is that it does. When PBL done well, does amazing things for all kids. And when you start with this smaller group, you can then build momentum instead of trying to push it through. And when you push it through, say everybody's going to do this. Now you've got the You've got some people that are going to jump on board, create wonderful PBL units that are great for kids. And you have some people that will try, but it'll be, you know, it'll fall flat or they're just being compliant. They, you know, fill in the blanks so that it says, yes, I did a PBL and they check off that box versus a movement. So, you know, it's one of those key leadership techniques is a little bit of a shift in how you look at bringing in project-based learning. Look at it as a movement, not just another initiative. Changes everything. So if you follow these three sustainability keys, don't do it alone. People are going to follow your first followers more than you, which is good. And the third one is you need local examples of PBL. So build those first and then have everybody dive in. This has been episode 97. Remember, we're getting close to episode 100, that century episode. But tune in next week. Because next week, we've got a group of learners that are on. We have a couple of learners and their teacher on to talk about how they built a well in Africa. And it's awesome how they did it. They actually thought globally and locally. They were going to do some water work locally. But it just grew into this groundswell, again, in this case, from the learners. That, hey, we want to do this. We've heard about this thing happening globally. We want to take advantage and we want to help with what we can. And they do. So they break that down. And the title of the episode is going to be, how do you find your project-based learning idea? So if you're a leader and your teachers are wondering, this might just be the episode for you because Kelly breaks down kind of the balance between a teacher bringing the PBL idea and then following the learner's curiosity. So you're not going to want to miss next week's episode, the PBL showcase where we hear directly from a PBL teacher and her learners. As we put all of this together, you're going to find out that we can engage your learners, tackle boredom, and transform your classrooms.